Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And we are continuing our conversation, our series of confidence, value, and empowered women. And I know you you are excited, but my guest co-host is back with us again. Makiba Rich is here. And just to remind you, Makiba is an influencer and the evidence of her work shows in how she is sought after to share a message of empowerment at various women's seminars, leadership summits, and corporate forums. And as a speaker, trainer, author, and leader, Makiba leads by example in an effort to be a positive role model in every area of her life. And we have two additional guests with us as we talk about the aroma of great leadership. We have two phenomenal women who are leaders impacting others. And so let me introduce a small snippet about each. Reverend Kelly Little has birthed a strong passion, drive, and purpose to minister to women. And Kelly's gift for speaking into and pouring godly wisdom into them is evident in her delivery and message of confidence and hope. And then our, our next guest, as the executive director of Worldwide Media, Sumana Rajagopal, oversees a team of professionals supporting the commercial aspects of healthcare, professional, and consumer media for Merck. Sumana's career focus has been pushing accountability through cross-channel measurement, fostering an innovative agenda for diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives Mm -hmm. that apply best practices from a local to a global market. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited because we have very diverse voices coming to this conversation around the aroma of great leadership. Mm -hmm. But we have to first find out from Akiba, where did this whole concept of aroma associated with leadership come from? So um, when we talk about an aroma, we talk about a fragrance and we talk about how that fragrance precedes us. And so when I thought about leadership, there are certain qualities and characteristics that should lead and there are certain ingredients that should be incorporated in your characteristic styles. So what I would admonish leaders to do is to create the composition of their leadership, which includes those ingredients that are customized to reach and approach those that they are adapted or they are um, called to be able to reach. Mm -hmm. So how you're going to do that is you're going to change that composition based on your target audience. So what we'd like to do today is just to kind of get some of those ingredients that these two young ladies exhibit and what was those characteristics that were able to allow you to 
to reach the audience that you desire to reach. Mm-hmm. I'm ex- actually excited because mm-hmm. I would love to get right off the bat because each of you are very established in your careers as well as in ministry as well as authors and what would you say is a key ingredient for leaders today recognizing the how emotionally fragile many people are in the workforce in our communities recognizing generationally we often have a wide generation of staff who are working and never mind as soon as you make a mistake someone is quick to cancel you mm-hmm. so what what would you say is a key ingredient that leaders need to have in their aroma combination either of you can can jump in I would say empathy and resilience. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, especially what you're talking about with the generational divide and having a team that uh, comprises so many different from Gen X to boomers mm-hmm. to millennials to even Gen Z now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. essentially we, what, Meeting people where they are is such an important part mm-hmm. of getting the most out of them mm-hmm. as performers and shining a light on their talent, but also making mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes, yes. you know, generational mm-hmm. mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you make assumptions when someone says they have a child, you assume they're married. Yes. So uh, bouncing back from that and not being afraid to say, oh, my mistake yes. mm-hmm. and being resilient around that is key to making sure that you're being your best self and learning as you grow. And it allows them to make mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. I appreciate how in our work, we, we have something in common. So I provide many platforms and opportunities to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging in school settings in actually any kind of environment that touches the life of children and youth. And something that I have found is that oftentimes people are so afraid of making the mistake, they are paralyzed in actually doing anything effective. And so I find it pretty profound that you would start us off with empathy and resilience and recognizing that mistakes are part of the equation. Mm -hmm. I love that. I Mm -hmm. love that. How about you, Kelly? I think I would say intentionality being one for me, um, dealing with so many different women, um, having to show up and be be intentional Um, from the time I wake up in the morning, being Mm -hmm. intentional to the time I, you know, you know, go to my, you know, my job. But at the same time, I get calls throughout the day and just being self-aware, being intentional, um, because most times what I find in ministry is I really can't have a bad day 
Mm-hmm. They're always watching. They're always watching, you know, being a mentor, being um, the leader, the director over uh, many women who look up to me. Um, I find that I have to always be, you know, when, and when I say intentionality, I'm speaking of from the time I wake up and how I show up, being mm-hmm. intentional about my day, being intentional about my spirit. Um, so that way it's it's. It's, it's organic. It's genuine. When I show up and I take the time to say, how are you? I'm meaning that mm-hmm. because I was intentional about, you know, the start of my yeah. day. Yeah. Checking in with you. Checking yeah. in with yeah. me. You know how you mm-hmm. are. So you're giving space mm-hmm. for other people to feel seen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When you actually ask them, how are you? How often do people ask it and then they don't? actually give you the answer. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm fine, I'm fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Yeah. How are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe not in the corporate world necessarily, but in the church, as soon as I walk in, you embrace them with a smile. You embrace them with a hug, sometimes mm-hmm. just a touch. That's intentionality. Mm-hmm. You know, and many times they come back and they're saying, oh my God, that touch. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. The fact that you just said, how are you? And you looked me in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Little things like that, that you, you're not even aware of yeah. that affect um, you know, someone yeah. else. Yes. Someone else. Yes. Makiba. Yeah. I think it's really important. Um, what Kelly was saying about in ministry, these are the things that we do, but ideally it should be a part of your DNA. Mm-hmm. So it translates in both genres. That's and right. In both exactly. areas. So as I am in church and ministry, yes. my ministry precedes me at work. So that'll be when someone's like, there's something about you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you walk in a room, there's sunshine that lights up the room mm-hmm. and we know what that means. So as we are creating this fragrance and we begin to gather those ingredients of our mm-hmm. character and we begin to u- utilize those characteristics to begin to reach out to all generations. And we have to make sure that that fragrance is delightful to that generation. Mm-hmm. 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 Can you expound a little bit more on that? Because I, if people were listening last yeah, week, yeah, they yeah, recognize yeah. how we were connected at um, Ignite. Yeah, yeah. And that whole piece you shared about really understanding the different generations mm-hmm. and how you broke it down with each aroma, yeah. it was golden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, when I was thinking of this message and I'm th- thinking about a fragrance, so mm-hmm. because in my mind, I'm always thinking of something niche, right? Something very high end. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to cost a lot, but I want it to be valuable. Mm -hmm. So when I think about a fragrance, the first one I think about is Chanel. And Chanel is so pivotal because Chanel began as a foundational fragrance with the number five. And as it began to evolve, she began to change the composition based on her target audience. Mm -hmm. So if anyone knows and follows Chanel, she started out with Chanel, then she went to Coco. Then Coco turned into Coco Mademoiselle, and then we get Chance. So when we start to translate that, we also think about the baby boomers, Mm -hmm. right? So the baby boomers would be our number five. Now, if you took a number five and gave it to a Gen X, they will not 
translate that fragrance as something that smells good. They're like, what is this? <laughs> My 23-year-old calls it old lady. Yeah, old lady. And old the lady church fragrance. <laughs> They're like, what is that? It has a little bit too much frankincense in that. What is that? And so when I thought about it, you know, when you think about a baby boomer, they were they had relationship values. They mm-hmm. thought about family. They were very family oriented. And then as you go into generation X, they want that work-life balance. So that composition is just slightly different. However, there's still some core characteristics to the first number five, because if you know, number five, there's a little bit of the same notes in every single fragrance, but it evolved as the target audience evolved. So now we get into the millennials and those millennials, <laughs> They want financial stability. They're thinking about what can we do next? They're thinking about what is my next, you know, opportunity to be able to gain wealth. And so when I think about that Coco Mademoiselle, that is something that everybody has a little bit, you know, I can take that Coco Mademoiselle and it can translate in every household. So what are those ingredients that are needed? And then as we go to chance, we're talking about the Gen X, I mean, the Gen Z's. That fragrance is very refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's refined. refined. Um, it's a breath of fresh air. So these, mm-hmm. you know, the Gen Z is more financially focused. There are a microwave society where they want mm-hmm. things to happen really quickly. Mm-hmm. So when I take that fragrance, I can go anywhere. I can go to a big conference and I can relate and I can go to a classroom with 10 students and be able to relate. Mm-hmm. So as I think about those fragrances and that aroma of my leadership style, mm-hmm. I have to learn to adapt to whatever target audience, whether it's ministry, whether it's corporate, whether it's school, I am still have the same composition, but I want to make sure I tweak it just a little bit mm-hmm. so that they are here the message that I'm trying to send. It is so powerful. And you broke it down exactly the way when it hit me. And I, in that funny, in that moment, I realized why I loved Coco Chanel. <laughs> I said, that's, that's my generational sin. Yes. yes. It yes, makes so much, yes, it makes so much yes. sense. <laughs> as you were talking and, the, and as you laid out how Chanel actually has been able to remain relevant. Mm-hmm has been the company's willingness to change, to remain innovative, and to understand what the what a current what the next generation is actually looking for. Mm -hmm. Samana, how would you say as leaders, as women, we need to be able to remain innovative, Mm -hmm. relevant, in our careers, in our choices. Yes. So the thing that I've deployed is a reinvention strategy, if you will. So I try to reinvent myself every couple of years and and take the non-linear path. Wow. So if you think about my career trajectory, so I started my career in advertising at agencies, and then I went into selling advertising. And so I went from buying ads to selling ads in digital. And that kept me current because digital was the next wave. That was in 2000. Um, And then I went into a corporate structure in global procurement. And when I was in global procurement, you talked about audiences mm-hmm. and being able to speak 
to high-level corporate executives Mm -hmm. about what they care about, that's the audience piece that I have to constantly reinvent myself around. Mm -hmm. So making something meaningful to someone who's really busy and it's all about bottom line Mm -hmm. becomes crucial. What I also do is I stay very current on trends. So when I started my career in 95, so I've been around for a long time (laughs) in advertising. Um, What I ended up doing was I I saw there was an art and a science, and then there's this relationship piece, right? And what I saw very quickly is I'm not an engineer by trade. I'm not a scientist. I'm a marketer. I am a communications person. But what I saw was technology was disrupting my ability to transact in business. And so I started actually working with a lot of back-end media measurement and television and addressability to get into the nuts and bolts of engineering. And then I started working with engineers and I don't have that mindset. So I had to really reorient myself, Mm. but I raised my hand a lot and just said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I became vulnerable, which is, was one of the most challenging things for me. So I moved into the science part of the marketing and the technology part. And that reinvention allowed me to go into insights and measurement. Mm -hmm. And then I was able, so I I took this path of saying, I need to understand foundationally all of these things that are disrupting my business and advertising before I can go back and contribute. And so that reinvention is what drives me. And I also get bored easily. So knowing <laughs> myself uh, and, and being self-aware, we talked about yeah, that, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I'm seeing in, in advertising today and with demographics is the changing nature of the makeup of the United States mm-hmm. and the importance for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Mm-hmm. And being a pioneer in that space incorporating it into everything I do is my new pathway and it's my new passion. And so that's my next reinvention is corporate eco-sustainability along with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And how do I bring those not as a hold out, but integrated into my whole self with when I conduct business. So that's my new reinvention Mm. um, mandate. And so I'm chasing it. I knew, we were, I, I knew we were besties. I knew we were besties when you walked in the door. <laughs> because I think that's where I was talking with a group of administrators today. And I shared with them that I actually am turning down any requests from organizations that are asking me to come in with a strategy. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, you know what? You want a list of strategies. You want a checklist? Go to Google. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you want to actually create systems and actually create a shift in climate, Mm -hmm. culture, and how you are with people, I'm your person. Mm -hmm. But it's more comfortable to just say, can you just tell us what are what are right. what are five things that yeah. we need to do mm-hmm. in order to create a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive environment? Mm-hmm. And never mind the fact that if we do it that way, we'll never get to belonging. But at least we would have had our checklist. Right. And mm-hmm. what you just said really resonated with me because when you said I raised my hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
there's a level of vulnerability. And there was a question we prepared actually talking about how can women who are in spaces that they feel as though they're not welcome mm-hmm. and the message is you're not welcome. Wow. Mm-hmm. How do they still show up? I'll just let anyone take that. <laughs> <laughs> How do they, the, the woman, the woman show up, mm-hmm, still show up mm-hmm. in spaces where the message is you, you actually don't, you don't belong. belong here. You don't belong here. I think it's it's most important to know your worth. And as we begin to know our worth, I had created this workshop at um, my company called Women That Rule the World. Mm. And the reason I created that was because women were dummying down because they felt like they weren't qualified to apply for certain positions Mm. because it was an environment, as you stated, that we knew that we weren't welcome in. Mm-hmm. So I, before you can even go and apply, you need to know that you're qualified to apply. Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is create those places where we empower them to understand their value first and know that, you know, there's times where we're underpaid, severely mm-hmm. underpaid, mm-hmm. and it's egregious. But we don't even think that we're, we, we think they gave us the position mm-hmm. And we're here. Be grateful Mm -hmm. that you're here. Now, how dare you go Mm -hmm. and ask for more? Mm -hmm. So it's my job and my place to be able to get women in that space where they become confident enough to say, I own this and I'm just as valuable as my colleagues Mm -hmm. because it's not many of us at the top. And so once we get to that space, I believe that we can go in and we can take it by force. But it Mm -hmm. starts with our own internal awareness of who we are and what we should stand for. Simone, I mm-hmm. felt like that that resonated mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Really. Absolutely. You, want, you yeah. wanted to yeah. say something. Yeah. I do. Um, some of the things that people have told me mm-hmm. is that I have the ability dis- to disarm mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that using humor mm-hmm. or deflection. And it's la- in large part because I never fit in. Right. I'm first generation American. I'm Indian of Indian descent. My husband's Puerto Rican, Italian. We don't fit anywhere <laughs> ever. Which box? And, yes. Yeah, There's no, no box, box, no box. for us. And we didn't keep, neither one of us kept culture either. So uh-huh. I didn't grow up in culture. So, and then I'm, I, I'm from DC. I was born in Louisiana and then I moved to DC. So like where, how <laughs> I identify is multi-layered but grew up in predominantly white spaces and places Mm -hmm. where it was always assumed Mm -hmm. that either I didn't belong there or even today, Mm -hmm. the people that work for me might be uh, spoken to as if they're the leader versus (laughs) me being the leader. That happens a lot. Um, So it's interesting because I've had to find a way to uh, let my intuition speak to me and then pinpoint the other person's insecurity because whether mm. that, that whether you know it or not, they're going to let it out to you. Mm-hmm. And once they let it out, they've become vulnerable, even mm-hmm. though they don't know that they have. And then what you can do is disarm them by making them comfortable. <laughs> and that's really what I do. I'm very comfortable in my discomfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Few people wow. are. Yeah. 
it can be an asset and it can be a liability mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because when you w- run teams, I'm always uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I make them uncomfortable because I'm pushing, right? Mm-hmm. Our jobs are to push, elicit the very best out of every human being mm-hmm. that we interact with. And I, but I do, that's where the empathy comes in. And that's what I had to work on yeah. mm-hmm. because what I had to learn over time was you have to allow people to get there in their time mm-hmm. and right. you can't rush it. Yeah. 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 I think about how intense there's, uh, there always seems to be this element of we don't have enough time and leaders are rushing to get to a solution instead of actually allowing people to process and grow. Mm-hmm. And there's there's an element there where if we aren't confident in who we are, you can try to overcompensate, right. try to be yeah. the one with all the answers, yeah. try to uh, take up the whole space in the room mm-hmm. where... It, Actually, that's that's an insecurity. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But having someone who can say, "I see you. Mm-hmm. I value you." Mm-hmm. So on the way here, uh, Sumana, I was having a conversation, <laughs> and um, we were talking about her recent promotion to this position, right? And she's going to be upset. I put her on the spot, oh, but here you go. <laughs> but we talked about it and her market. I mean, she's had this journey of evolution. And as a leader in corporate America, where she says she feels that there's times where she doesn't know where she fits in. Mm-hmm. And so when we correlate all this together and we talk about the big deal, we talk about this aroma, we talk about this confidence. But when you're, you've, you've struggled so long to get there. Let us talk a little bit about once you get there, why is it that we don't feel that we are valuable enough to speak about the accomplishment? Mm-hmm. Because as her accomplishment, she hasn't even really spoken about it because it's mm-hmm. here. And now the people around her is like, well, here you are. You know, you're this this executive director, but yet you don't know my journey. Mm-hmm. So we want to t- talk to the women that t- they, mm-hmm. they dummy down whenever they are to be celebrated. And it's because of the environments that made us felt like we weren't worthy to be here. So we, we I think if yeah. we expound on that a little bit, we can touch some of those people that have been out there and don't want to have that voice because they're so insecure because of their environments. I think it also connects to, um, even in ministry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. this element mm-hmm. of, I absolutely, I know God has done things through me. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he has given me this gift that I can now share with someone. It's okay for me to say, Mm -hmm. I did that thing because I was obedient. Right. So sometimes I find that not only is it not knowing your worth, Mm -hmm. but being afraid Mm -hmm. of someone else Mm -hmm. interpreting. Yes. Talking about that achievement as bragging or you've forgotten about who. I'm like, no, no, it can be an and. Mm -hmm. Yes. Kelly, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I struggled actually with that Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning. Um, But once you get to a place of the being confident, Mm 
mm-hmm. of this very thing. Um, the work that he has, you know, begun, he will complete. Mm-hmm. But that's getting you, you have to like get there. Yeah. But once you get there, mm-hmm. there is this uh, certainty, this yes. uh, surety, this confidence that can't no one take from you mm-hmm. because of your journey yes. to get there. Mm-hmm. So typically, um, you can see it in others because you struggled with it. So you can see it in others. Um, And you can always uh, see the value in my sisters. Uh You know, you can always see it so clear. (laughs) You know, you walk into a room and you're like, oh, 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 oh. And then there's something that will come over you. So it's it's intentionality again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's saying, I am a big deal. You know, I do Mm -hmm. belong here. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah. They're beautiful. They're awesome. But so am I. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's intentionality and it's it's encouraging yourself, yes. you know, yeah. encouraging yourself. I find that I always have to encourage, you know, encourage myself. Can I ask, we've talked mm-hmm. about achievement. Can yep. I just flip this with mm-hmm. it? Are you willing to share a fear that you had mm-hmm. in order to get to that place of confidence? As a leader, which one do I share? Which one do I share? <laughs> which one do I share? Um, so it's almost like I can't share it without kind of going backwards just mm-hmm. for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went through a rough transition, um, and again, uh, in order to come out that transition, in order to transition out, I had to be intentional. Um, it was the fear of rejection for me, rejection. And still, every now and again, this whole Facebook world and this whole, like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> we want you to come and speak. And then it's on Facebook. You're like, I don't want to go. <laughs> Exposed. Yeah, it's putting yourself out there. It's the vulnerability um, just for someone to come along to say, but what Mm -hmm. I've learned is you're going to always have the haters. You're going to always have the ones Mm -hmm. that's going to salute you. You're going to have the ones that's going to praise you because prayers, praise and rejection both come from the hand of God. Right. So we're going to have the ones that praise us. Then we're going to have the ones that reject us. But for me, I have to say it was rejection, overcoming rejection Mm. overcoming rejection and every now and again it's still having to be intentional to Mm -hmm. kind of cast that thought down and bring it under subjection Sumana for me it's the continuous learning and this is where the newer generations have given me some power where you know in my day we never talked about how much money do you make or how Mm. much do you expect or what do you think you deserve or Mm -hmm. what are your band levels um these kids talk about everything Everything. and they will tell you what they deserve and i'm like wow that's bold so for me (laughs) i am yeah i'm reveling in the confident overconfidence (laughs) which i actually appreciate and love because they're telling you what they need to feel Mm -hmm. successful now do they deserve it maybe they do Mm -hmm. so then that makes me question maybe I do. And am I able, if I can't advocate for myself, I'm busy advocating for everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
Hmm. all the time. You're perfect. <laughs> oh, I, I love what you've got on. Everybody hmm. else has it. And I'm not advocating for myself. So the thing that I did to push myself out of my comfort zone is I joined sister time. Mm. Oh, That's what yes. I did. So, oh, that I am. I, I do not. I'm not a participator. I'm a lone wolf. Like I, I do it on my own and it, and then, you know, nobody else can claim it. That's right. Right. That's right. But the reality is, is as I grow in my maturity, I learn that I need others to tap into my power. So you talked a little bit about, okay, so you've got this power. Do you, you have it now? Do you own it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I am today is is own, owning owning my power mm-hmm. so that I can give it out yeah, to others. Right. Yes. Yes. That's, right. that's where I am. And that requires me to do things like this, which make me really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so you introduced it. So we absolutely hear, have to hear about it. What is Sister Time? Because so many women Yes. Have that narrative of, I can't be around other women. Mm-hmm. I just can't do other women. <sighs> They're so mm. catty. There's so much jealousy. But that actually is an old narrative. Like, that's not. It's tired. They're so, mm. It is so it tired. It is so old. It's so, so tired. tired. So, Makiba, tell yeah. us about Sister Time. OMG, Sister Time. Uh, Sister Time is my baby. Um, Sister Time was birthed out of my pain. So I re I was just coming out of a divorce and I didn't realize that I was going through a depression because, you know, in the church world, we don't really claim that that's what it is, but I would have every other Friday, Saturday and Sunday off. And I would literally close the door Thursday night and come out Monday morning for work. And this went on for like a year, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm having, you know, watching TV, I'm but I wasn't doing anything. And uh, one day I'm crying on my daughter, like, when are you going to come home? She's like, mom, get over it. I'm not coming home. You need to get a life. And I'm like, <laughs> like feelings <laughs> girl. My, I was traumatized. I mean, I was, no, literally I was crying. I'm like, <laughs> I had like, the, I'm like, you don't want to spend time with me anymore? Like, what do you mean? And she's like, mom, come on, get some friends, do something. And I'm like, well, I guess, you know. And so fast forward, I said, you know, there gotta be some other women that need something like this. Like, we're the people. And um, I started praying about it and I, I write everything in my phone and God started telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. Call some girls into your house and do this. And he told me exactly, you know, make it topic driven, talk about some things. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And the first one, boom, all these women come in. And I like, all I want to do is create a safe haven for them to breathe. Yeah, everything right. else, we'll figure it out. And the very first session, I never forget, a woman walked in and she said, I hate my husband. And I don't want to go home. And wow. I'm like, nope. Hi, okay, how are so you? we're starting here. We're starting here. <laughs> Fast forward. And she cried and she, and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're so sorry. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And when she left that night, she said, okay, I'm going home. I can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I love good. him again. And we were just like, whoa. And I'm like, this is what this is. Mm -hmm. And it's not a place where we're bashing and we're really restoring. We are going through every topic driven session where it's what you need in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's a place that they can breathe. 
they can literally pour out, drop the titles at the door. You're not the director. You're not the mom. You're not the wife. You're my sister. And this is what we do. And we pour out into one another. We network with one another. We pour in, we support, um, we build friendships that last. um, And we really organically try to create an environment where you become the best version of you. There's no secret pill to this. The best version of you is all we ask for. You share something that I did not share my thought around the essential skill for um, the aroma of great leadership when we went around the table, mm-hmm. but you actually just touched on what I am feeling for myself and what I'm actually teaching leaders is to solve for the stress, not just the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes as leaders, we are so solution driven yes and people are bringing stuff to us now that there is not a quick answer no. or solution for but if we can create space that helps them process what they are believing about their mm-hmm. problem mm-hmm. so that they're just not on autopilot of i hate my husband and i don't want to yeah. call like she had mm-hmm. been playing that tape. I guarantee over you, and she over had been playing that tape the whole ride in the car, mm-hmm. and it just fell out mm-hmm. onto everyone mm-hmm. as soon as she arrived. And there's an art to actually listening mm-hmm. to help someone else process, not just mm-hmm. get your point mm-hmm. or agenda across. And it's never about that. I mean, I, I am honored that God trusts me enough to have this space Mm -hmm. because it's not just for them. It literally is my refilling. And I never forget, there was very specific instructions on what he told me to do. Mm -hmm. And one of them was, he told me never worry about the numbers and never cancel. And there was this one day that I was so frustrated because not only do I have the session, but I, we have dinner, we have derps, we have, you know, it was certain things. And I was, out of my own pocket. So I'm like, okay, how many people? And it's one day it got down to like two people and I'm like, forget it. I'm done. I'm tired of this. I quit. Cancel, send out the text. We're done. And a lady called me and she's crying. Oh my gosh. What do you mean? There's no sister time. I've been waiting all month for this Mm -hmm. and you canceled it. And she's crying. I needed this. Mm -hmm. And I cried and I cried and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was like, God, if one person shows up, yes. And it's just me and them. I promise you every single time we have it, Mm -hmm. it's always what these women need. And I'm totally honored and humbled that God trusts me enough to just be in this space. And I know it's him because women, they tell me all the time, you know, I don't do women. Mm-hmm. I don't do mm-hmm. women. And I think it it cringes me mm-hmm. because you're a woman. Yeah. And how do you not do you? Yeah. So we need one yeah. another. And when we create a place that people feel safe enough, that they can be transparent, mm-hmm. they hold on. And when they can release, yeah. like you said, I can't change the world. Mm-hmm. I can't make him a better man. But what I can <laughs> do is because there's a perception because you're divorced, you don't know how to counsel or you don't know how to be there or support. Mm, nice I'm, ag- I'm not against the union of marriage. Right. That one just didn't work out. So I can tell you how to be a great wife, but I can also mm-hmm. tell you how to be a better woman. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes some internal evolution to help you get there. And that's yes. what it's about empowering you to be the best mother, to be the best person, to be the best employee, all world, all well-rounded. And that's where it starts internally. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Sometimes the ability to become that better mm-hmm. version comes through mistakes. Yes. Anyone willing to share a mistake or a failure you had to get over mm. that now that you look back, it's actually become a part of the greater part of your leadership? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. My divorce. Mm. Okay. For sure. My divorce um, was a, you know, woof. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just feel like you failed. Mm-hmm. Um, but nine years, nine years now, divorced five, separated nine. Um, I would not be the woman I am today mm. if I had not gone through the pain of that. Because it was in that pain mm-hmm. that the purpose was birthed um you know at first it was like wait a minute what do I do you know Mm -hmm. I'm a wife I'm a mother you know I remember I remember going into the grocery store the first time um when I moved out and had to go to a grocery store for myself I went into the grocery store got the smallest cart walking up and down the aisle and had this epiphany I didn't even know what I liked. Wow. I had no idea. I knew what my husband liked to snack on, what my sons, what my son's friends, what with the cousins, with the the uncles. I knew what everyone else liked. Wow. And I'm standing in the middle of the store. Wow, that's deep. I have <laughs> stocked everyone else's shelves, <laughs> but never shocked stock stocked my own. And so I left out the store, went in a car, and I just weeped. And I would, yeah. and for a long time, the grocery store was a trigger because mm-hmm. I did not know what I liked. Wow. And so, and it's, it's, today it's funny. I'll go in the grocery store, and every week it changes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it changes every week. You know, mm-hmm. this week might be fish. Next week might yeah. be chicken. You know, um, sounds but, like freedom. Freedom. Oh, fulfillment and freedom. Freedom for sure. Um, Oh, my goodness. Yes, freedom. (laughs) But I can remember, um, you know, the Lord saying to me, I'm like, what do I do now? Oh, my purpose. And I, I remember him saying to me, he says, your purpose, as you've once known it, has changed. But my purpose for your life has never changed. Mm. So here I was still with purpose needing to be fulfilled, still destiny ahead, Mm. had to go through that before I could help so many other women. And like you said, I love marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, I have friends that are married. I love marriage. He and I are really, really good friends. You know, we were amicable through it. She said, God bless me. God bless me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, and so, yes, I honor marriage. Um, and like you said, you know, because you're single now. Oh, I love being single. Oh, my God. Jesus is real. <laughs> he is real to me. <laughs> Singlehood is wonderful. But I honor marriage as well. And I will be married again one day. So I look forward to that. But right now, I don't think I would have been able to do this level of ministry mm-hmm. if I was still married. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is a sweet season. This is an awesome season. You just took me out of here when you said, (laughs) I have stocked 
other yes. people's shelves mm-hmm. and I never stocked my own. Never stocked my own. Wow. I think about how many women get mm-hmm. lost yes. in mm-hmm. other people's visions, stories, stories, visions, mm-hmm. needs. Samana, so, you mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. just losing yes. track mm-hmm. of who I am, mm-hmm. not in a prideful, arrogant way, but no. not even mm-hmm. knowing who I am anymore. Nope. Simone, are you willing to share? I a am. <laughs> I am. It's actually what's driving me today Ooh. is my uh, need to, my, th- this is my mistake. Mm-hmm. My mistake was staying silent when I should have spoken up. Wow. Mm-hmm. In spaces and places because of whether it was culturally, you know, keep keep your head down and keep your mouth shut and work really, really, really Mm. hard. You know, I was taught that from the very beginning that have integrity in everything you do and be better than everybody Mm. else because you won't be seen. Mm. And that is wonderful in its own right. But when it comes to advocating for myself and others as a leader, Mm. Um, and being self-centered and afraid mm-hmm. of losing what I had, um, I've made a big shift into leading with from a place of abundance, mm. that there's enough to go around. We mm. all have yes. so much. And that's the shift that I feel when I walk into this studio and it is, wow, mm-hmm. I get to be here today yes. and share in your abundance, yes, right? Yes, Thank you, Makiba. Yes, yes, Thank yes. you so much for allowing me yes. to be and participate here. Mm-hmm. And when I shifted my thinking, the way that I move through the world mm-hmm. is very different. What I'm working on now, because I also am impatient and I'm, I fix it. I'm Mrs. Fix It. Let's just fix it. For I'll fix it for you. I'll fix that. You, yeah. So you you touched on this, right? That we got to get out of the business of doing and into the business of being. Just being. Mm-hmm. And so I'm working on that. And part of working on that includes quiet mm-hmm. and not fixing and just listening and then letting the other person get to it when they're ready. It also has to, and I've shared this in Sister Time, that my frustration about economic constructs, about how, I mean, how my privilege was built on the backs of this economic construct and through immigration, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I had to really do a lot of research and understand what that means and how I can contribute today mm-hmm. so I can speak up in a meaningful way and be mm-hmm. heard when I speak. Because when I speak through anger, people shut down. Mm-hmm. But when I speak through understanding mm-hmm. or through connection, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. open up. So mm-hmm. I'm making the pivot. <laughs> making the pivot. Yes, I think that concept of if I show you how angry I am, Mm -hmm. it will make you change is is a misconception and it actually shuts down progress in others. And so recognizing you have a passion, you have a purpose, it's tied to an integrity place for you and you can do it from a place of abundance, a place from clarity, not a place from anger. Mm-hmm. 
Hang is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. I love it. When um so th- this was Makiba's question. So don't so don't get so don't. She said, "What would you tell your 16-year-old self during a moment of discouragement?" And the and the audience goes silent. <laughs> Facebook community, this would be your time to put questions in as we begin to wrap up. Throw a question into the comment section as they um, they think about their 16-year-old self in moments of discouragement. What would so you let me say kick, to let, let me kick it off with the reason I asked that question. I mean, asked that question because I think it's so important to be able to go back and think about Mm -hmm. where you were in that moment. That's part of that big deal journey, right? Mm -hmm. To think of me as my 16 year old self and what my thought process was Mm -hmm. and think about how I felt so defeated Mm -hmm. and that there would be no 49 year old self in Mm -hmm. this position. So if I were to tell my 16 year old self, simple, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Yeah. We have about five minutes left. Kelly? So I would say um, value yourself. Mm -hmm. Take no discounts. It's like going into a store. You know, let's say, you know, one of our favorite stores. Let's say, you know, I don't know what the ones, but let's say Prada. Right? We go in and they have the discounts are in the back of the store. Mm -hmm. You know? I'm not a discount. You're going to pay full price for me, yes. you know, mm-hmm. so take no yeah. discounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Samana? I would tell myself you are not defined by your trauma. Mm-hmm. I would tell myself that you know who you are. It's in there. Mm-hmm. You have the strength and the resolve to accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish. So set your sights high and don't allow anyone to take you off your path. Mm-hmm. I love you it. got this. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah. I think I would tell myself that it's okay that you haven't figured it all out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In time, if you keep working, keep moving forward, the pieces will fall into place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have figured it all out. Yes. So with the the last few minutes we have, I know it always goes by mm, yes, so fast. Yes, yes, yes. And our Facebook community, please make sure that you are giving the thumbs up, the hearts, because these women have <laughs> shared their soul <laughs> as true leaders. But I, I want to just go around. What's on the horizon for you? And I actually want to start with Kelly because I see a book in front of us. <laughs> well, I am working on the twin to this. However, this is called Love Evolving. It is Love Evolving. It is a 21-day devotional. Uh, It's really uh, allowing God to uh, uh, disentangle your emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in one journey, it may take you 21 days, but someone else's journey may be 40 days. So it's just evolving into the love of the Father. It's just allowing Him to, um, you know, get to the 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 the, the heart get yes. to your heart yeah sometimes our emotions are so our emotions yeah entangled, entangled. with our trauma mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we hide them mm-hmm. from the father yep powerful mm-hmm. thank you love evolve love evolving yes, yes.
Are there other ladies? What's what's on the horizon? What's going on? Well, of course, we have Sister Time every third Saturday of the month hosted in Langhorn, Pennsylvania. And I have a conference that is coming up in September. It's called The Evolution in Me. It is going to highlight some wonderful women in the community that have evolved. Um, I also have my books. I have a new book that will be coming out by my birthday, July 3rd. It is called The Aroma of Great Leadership. Will you follow me? (laughs) So that's what I have going on. And continue to keep us updated at MakebaRich.com. M-I-K-E-E-B-A. R-I-C-H dot com. Sumana. I am pouring my purpose and passion into evolving uh, my nervous system, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So I have a daughter who's 10 and she is amazing and unique. And that's where I want to make sure that I'm eliciting the very best for Mm -hmm. her. And so by being in a meditative state, in a state of love and giving, that I think that she and we as a team are going to just thrive. So I'm focused on putting my energy out into the universe and making sure that everyone feels seen and loved. And that includes my very special daughter and husband. Oh, awesome. Yes. We are such kindred spirits. <laughs> Your nervous system. Because we know that everyone who follows me knows we have to rewire from the nervous system mm-hmm. out. Um, that settles our emotions. It creates that regulation. Oh, yes, we're going to have to continue to talk. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who follow um, me on Living Strong, uh, we have uh, a lot going on in the month of March. Uh, and we will. I will be speaking at the Pennsylvania Head Start Association Conference with my great colleagues from the Lancaster Lebanon IU. We're going to be speaking on co-creating a healing community as well as um, creating culturally responsive spaces to engage families. So that's the end of March, just one one, uh, conference that's coming up. But to follow all of the things that we do, Feel free to look and look through our newly updated website, livingstrongllc.com, L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-R-O-N-G-L-L-C.com. Oh, ladies, this has been an amazing conversation. It's been an honor. It's been an honor. If we were to say one thing, so we have 46 seconds left. <laughs> if we, if you were to say one word to a discouraged leader right now, what would it be? Resilience. Intentionality. Love. Mm-hmm. Healing. And that's a wrap. Don't forget... This is a series. So Makiba's going to be back next week, <laughs> and we're actually bringing on Reverend Nikki Brown, the person, the coordinator of Ignite Conference that actually brought us yes. together. Yes. So don't miss mm-hmm. our next episode entitled The Audacity to Show Up. Mm. Same place, same time next week, right here 
on the flip side. We'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the presentation.